to Judges chapter 17, verse number 6. It's very, very good to have my son home, but, you know, he's been around for a while. So, uh, but we're very, very happy to have Sister London Bradford with us. And I'm excited for them. Amen. Very, very excited for them. And we're excited for everybody that is here tonight. If you're here, we're excited you're here. Somebody said amen. <laughs> I don't care if you're here and you got problems. We're glad you're here. You may be in a world of hurt, but you're here. And we're glad you're here. Amen. You feel that way? Does everybody feel that way? It's no matter who you are, but if you're here, we're glad you're here. Amen. We believe that God's going to work in your life. Judges chapter 17, verse number 6, very short passage of Scripture. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. I want to preach for a few moments tonight on this subject, the mechanism of bondage. The mechanism, the mechanism of bondage. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would direct us. We give to you thanks. Let your word be a strength to us tonight. We thank you for a move of your spirit already. But we want you to establish us and help us tonight. We give to you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. you. can be seated. So a mechanism is a process or a technique or a system that is for achieving a certain result. So it could be a technique, it could be a process, or it could be a system that is trying to achieve a result. That's what a mechanism is. And the mechanism of bondage, the result of the mechanism, is the state of being bound usually by compulsion, or it is a mastery of something that is over you. And so there is a system, there's a technique, there is a process that keeps you in a state of being bound. I'm thankful that the Holy Ghost that we have felt and the Spirit of God that we have felt is an empowering spirit that is able to loose you from bondage. Sometimes people come to the house of God and they're so wrapped up in the things that have been done to them or the situations that are in their life and they don't think there's a way out of those situations. But I'm testifying to you tonight that if you allow the Holy Ghost to work, it is biblical, it is scriptural, that God can empower you out of where you are. Recently someone said, well, nobody understands my situation because my situation is different and maybe people don't understand. Can I tell you that in this sanctuary here tonight, there are people that have come from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of dysfunction, and they are here because God pulled them out of the miry clay that they were in. Don't tell me that your situation is different and people don't understand. There's people that have come out of the prison. There's people that have come out of addiction. Just because somebody has a suit and a tie on doesn't mean one thing. What it does mean is this. It means that God pulled us out of where we are and were and said, I can give to you something that is better than is in the world. I can pull you out 
out of where you are, I can empower you and use you in the kingdom of God. That is a testimony. And in this place here tonight, there are testimonies of individuals that have come a long, long way. If it had not been for the Lord who is on your side, where would you be? But tonight, you're in the house of, thank you, Sister Sylvia. God brought you a mighty, mighty long way. And you're in the house of God tonight because of what God's empowering spirit was able to do. If you got a testimony, you should be thankful. If you got a testimony, you should be grateful. And you should tell somebody... God brought me out of situations and circumstances that there was no possibility of getting out. But thanks be to God, God did it. God did it. This can happen. This mechanism of bondage can happen by external forces. Sometimes it is external forces. It's nothing that you do on yourself or on your own, but it is things external to you. One example of that is we can find and read these scriptures about the Hebrews that were in Egyptian bondage. Their lives were made very, very difficult because there was a nation that enslaved them and the Egyptians ruled over the Hebrews. That was something that was external. And so the mechanism was Egypt and the bondage was the enslavement that they were in. And so we understand that sometimes it can be external. Sometimes it can be internal. So it's not something that is done on the outside. It is something that we do where we get ourselves in situations. This is why Paul said in Romans chapter 7, at some point he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Sometimes we get ourselves in situations and we live in a society and a culture that always wants to point the finger at somebody else and say, say the reason why I am like I am is because of somebody else. Well, if you're ever going to get anywhere in God, you have to step up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm the problem here. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. What I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. But he didn't blame it on anybody. He said, I am the wretched man who shall deliver me from the body of this, this death. Who can get me out of this? And he recognized just a chapter later, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Paul said, I got myself in this mess. How am I going to get out of this mess? It's going to be the power of the Holy Ghost, Brother Bejarano. It's going to be the spirit of God that works in me, that gets me out of where I am. I'm not blaming anybody else. I'm not looking to find an excuse. I'm in the house of God saying, I got myself here, but I know there is a God that is going to walk with me through this valley, through this difficulty, through this turmoil. Somebody praise God together. If that's you, praise God. We're here to support you and say God can do it. Is that Wednesday? It is? Wednesday. Welcome home, girl. I haven't seen you in a long three years. Three years. Four years. Four years. Wednesday de los Reyes. Are you home? Somewhat? 
She's been in the Philippines getting her nursing degree. Put your hands together and welcome Winzy De Los Reyes. Four years. There's two examples in Scripture that I want to talk about. Judges would be the external situation that becomes a mechanism of bondage because of a covenant breakdown. The most well-known and important statement in Judges we read in our text in chapter 17, verse number 6. It's repeated in chapter 21, verse 25. And it is a theme that at some point everybody started doing things their own way. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is alluded to not only in these two verses, but also in chapter 14, verse 3, 7, chapter 18, verses 1, and chapter 19, verse number 1. Everybody started doing what was right in their own eyes. The people of God rejected God as the king. And so the phrase, there was no king in Israel, is not meant to communicate that Israel's main problem was the lack of a human king but that Israel had rejected God as their king. And so the people continued to think that their problem was a lack of military or a lack of political power. Their true problem is they increasingly forgot and rejected God. And so they walked away from God and they rejected him as king. And then everybody did what was right in their own eyes. There's a flip side of rejecting God as king. And so they thought they could be their own Lord and master. And when you think you can be your own Lord and master, disaster ensues. Is there anybody here that would be honest enough to say, you know what, when I was my own Lord and master, it was a mess. It was a disaster. I got myself involved in stuff, and sin took me a whole lot farther than I ever wanted to go. Praise God. When you try to do things your own way, it becomes a mechanism of bondage. And in the judges, when they rejected God as king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, they became their own Lord and master. And then there was a canonization of Israel. In other words, they became like the nations around them. They succumbed to idolatry. They drifted into godless and evil practices of the Canaanites around them. And so they became canonized. And by the end of the book, the most grievous sins in the Bible are committed, not by the nations, but by Israel itself. They entered into a mechanism of bondage that controlled them, a system, a state, and they couldn't break out of it. And so their lives were difficult, and they found themselves in a cycle. They would sin. They would do evil in the sight of God. And then they would be oppressed because a foreign enemy would come in and oppress them. And then they would pray. They would cry out to God for help. And then salvation would come to them. And then they would experience rest. They would go through rest, sin, oppression, supplication, salvation. Rest, sin, oppression, supplication, salvation. Rest, sin, oppression, supplication, salvation. And then God would raise up a judge who would step to the forefront. They did this over and over through Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibsen, Elan, Abdon, and Samson. They caught themselves in a very, very vicious cycle. A 
mechanism of bondage until God would raise up a leader. This was the Old Testament covenant that was broken and this, this mechanism of bondage that would enter in and cause them not to be successful, but cause them much pain and much anguish, not moving forward. I want to say tonight very emphatically that God never intended for any of us to be in a mechanism of bondage, but he came so that we might have liberty. There should be no reason why we can't raise our hands and lift up our voice. And if you feel that way tonight, you're in a mechanism of bondage. You need to get out of that situation that, that you're in. You say, I don't know if I can get out of it. Yes, you can get out of it. You got to seek the right solutions and the right answers. There is an answer and it's not going to be turning to the weak and beggarly elements of this world and becoming like the world. That's not the answer. The answer is saying, how can I get closer to God? How can I get closer to the anointing that breaks me out of where I am? Jesus said, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. It's not the will of God that you should be bound up. It's the will of God that you should have freedom and liberty and strength. Amen. So in the Old Testament, we have this example of a mechanism of bondage that was external and it was directly related to the covenant that they broke. Whenever they broke the covenant, then God would bring opposing forces and they would go through this cycle. That's the Old Testament. It was more about covenant and a relationship that measured up to the dictates of the covenant. And they had problems there very, very early. And then all through their history, this became a problem, an external thing, things that happened to them that were not their own doing. I don't want to go too far off on a rabbit trail here, but there are external things that have been caused by individuals that you had no control over. Praise God. There, there are, there's abuse. There's human abuse. There's human trafficking. I want to say here emphatically, let not molestation and anything like that ever enter into the church. Praise God. There is damage that is done, emotional trauma that is done to individuals that will last them an entire lifetime. That is not of God, and we should be a people that say, no, we don't believe in that. We're not going that direction. We want to uncover that in the Holy Ghost so that God is able to work and people are able to thrive. Those external things. I'm going to get angry here. There's some of you sitting on church pews. The things that were done to you were an external thing. You were too young. You were innocent. It was of the devil. Somebody wasn't thinking. They completely lost their mind, and it's caused you problems. But I want to tell you, there's a God that loves you. You're not responsible for that. I don't care what. I don't care You may feel all alone, but I'm telling you, there's a pastor and a church that loves you and that's telling you, you can be something for God. Don't let that destroy you. That's an external thing that came from the outside. Those difficulties, praise God. God, 
God knows how to take that and use that for good. When the devil tries to destroy us, God takes it, turns it around, and said, you thought you would destroy me with that, but God's going to use that for good. I'm going to have a testimony. My dad shouldn't have done that. My mother shouldn't have done that. My uncle shouldn't have done that. My aunt shouldn't have done that. My cousin shouldn't have done that. And I shouldn't even be here because of all of that trauma. But I'm here as a living testimony that I was able to overcome it because the Lord was on my side. And the people of God loved me enough to say, you have value, you have worth. Oh, there should be a bigger response than that. We live in a crazy world. Thank God for the church. Those are external things. And sometimes the external things are things that you have no control over. And they become mechanism of bondage. That God knows how to break you out of those mechanisms of bondage. And so in the Old Testament, it had to do with the covenant relationship. And it was more external based on that covenant. But in the New Testament, Jesus focuses not on the externals. But he turns everything up on his head and he starts focusing not on the actions, but he starts focusing on the motivations. In the Sermon of the Mount, we can see this in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, where Jesus pinpoints the internal motivations. And there's triads in these chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. As a matter of fact, there's 14 triads. Triads, there are three things that are being said. You have heard it said, this is where you are, but I say. And, and, and he repeats those often. There's 14 of them, and you can go through all of them. And I, I don't need to go through all of them, but I'll just, for the sake of example here, I'll go through two. The traditional piety, or what you have heard in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, in verse 21, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rakah, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Hell Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that thy brother had aught against you, leave your gift and go your way and be reconciled. Then come and offer your gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while Thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So Jesus doesn't look at the externals, but he starts focusing on the internal motivations. The traditional thing that you have heard is you shall not kill. You shall not kill. That's an action. That's, that's something of an external. But Jesus said there's a mechanism of bondage that enters in here. And the mechanism of bondage, this is what he, what he meant when he, when he talked about rakah and calling somebody a fool. It wasn't the words fool, rakah. That's not where the weight of what he is saying is. What he's saying is you have got yourself in a mechanism of bondage 
where you live in anger. You nurse anger. It becomes a part of who you are. You're not killing anybody, but on the inside, you are, you are eaten up with anger, and you, you're, you're nursing it, and you're saying, you fool, and this, is beca this becomes your mentality, and so you're in a vicious cycle. And so Jesus would say the only way to get out of that vicious cycle, and I'm telling you here tonight, I know exactly what I'm saying. Anger is a vicious, vicious cycle. You get in a vicious cycle of anger, and you, you're not happy with yourself, and then you start taking it out on the people that are close to you. They don't understand what you're doing, why you're reacting the way that you're reacting, and you take it out on the people that are the closest to you. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. You're not killing anybody, but you're walking around, and you are full of anger. You're the guy that blows up on the street when there's problems and difficulties with traffic. You're the guy that just, you're a hair breath away from just blowing up. And if you're not the guy, then you're the woman. Jesus would say this vicious cycle is a mechanism of bondage. How do you get out of that? Jesus said there's a transforming way to get out from underneath the mechanism of bondage. You need to go to the altar and you need to recognize how much God forgave you and how much is riding on that. Praise God. God gave you the ability to lay it down at an altar and walk away from your sins. How dare you be angry at anybody else when God forgave you of so very, very much. You're blowing up on everybody else. God didn't blow up on you. While we were yet sinners, he died for the ungodly. If anything, I need to get to an altar and say, God, thank you. I shouldn't even be here. Who am I to be in the house of God. Leave that gift and go make it right with somebody else. Praise God. Come on. Is anybody thankful tonight that God forgave you when really He's the only one that could have forgiven you? While we were yet sinners, He died for the ungodly. He gave to us the ability to get out of the mechanism of bondage. Well, one more, chapter 5 and verse number 27. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, the old traditional piety. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. And if your eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it, it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. The traditional piety said, you shall not commit adultery. But see, Jesus has a way of getting beyond the externals and penetrating into the heart because he knew that the Jews that opposed him so often did not actually commit adultery, but their heart was full of lust. And so the vicious cycle that they were caught in is that they had a heart condition that was wrong. They had a lust problem. They had a carnality problem. And so Jesus said the way to get out of the mechanism of bondage, because you, you, you can maintain the external, do not commit adultery. You, you can maintain the traditional piety, but when you get into your heart, it's a different matter. So how 
do you get out of the mechanism of bondage? Jesus said, you remove the cause that is causing you the problem. And, and when we read this passage of scripture, Jesus, sometimes people will really take it literal. Pluck out your eyes, cut your But look, look, you could pluck your eyes out and still be lustful in your heart. So Jesus was not saying pluck your eyes out or cut your hand off. He was saying, using that language and terminology and that illustration to remove or to remove the thing that is causing the lust. I've heard individuals say, yeah, I'm going to get over my alcoholism, but yet they've got something in their closet. All right, if you're going to get rid of the alcoholism, you need to pluck it out or remove it from wherever you are, out of the closet, out of the house. you got a clean house. To get out of the mechanism of bondage, you got to remove the stuff that is causing you the problems because you're in a mechanism of bondage. Oh, I'm preaching here tonight. I know exactly what I'm preaching. You could be powerful. You could be used of God, but you're in a mechanism of bondage because you're not removing some things from your life. You would be a better husband. You'd better be a better father. You'd be a better lover. You'd be a lot of better things if you got rid of some things because there are things that are dragging you down. Remove it. Get rid of it. Walk away from it. Clean the house and be used of God. The reason you can't worship God the way that you want to worship is because you're watching stuff. You're viewing stuff. Your time and attention is wrapped up in stuff that is causing you to be in a mechanism of bondage. You need to come out of that. You need to come out of that. Jesus said it is possible. You can make your way out of that. God wants to use you in the kingdom of God to be a man of God, to be a woman of God, to be a child of God. Praise God. Is this all right? This is good for everybody, including the speaker here tonight. Amen. You know what's good sometimes? Go through your house. If there's stuff that's causing you difficulty and it's limiting your ability to be used in the kingdom of God, take inventory. I want to be a person of revival. I want God to use me in my home, my family, my job, my occupation, my education, wherever I'm going. I want God to, I want God to use me in the kingdom of God. Therefore, I'm going to make sure that it's a priority, that there is nothing that will conflict or restrict the propelling forward that God has for my life. Praise God. This would not be a church if we didn't preach like this. We need to preach like this because everybody else is saying, oh, it's okay. Just go ahead and live that way. And it's all right because everybody else is doing it. Not an apostolic revival church. That doesn't work. You're not going to overcome the demons in hell if you're living like hell. You've got to break out and live like God wants us to live. Praise God. Pulse check, pulse check. You want a preacher that preaches against sin or you want a preacher that just inspires you? I want to make sure that my salvation is secure because my life is right. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. I'm in this mechanism of bondage, and I don't know how to get out of this. And Maybe the problem is that people just don't understand. No, we understand because God called each and every one of us out of the mechanism of bondage. 
Praise God. And we understand because the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the remedy. Well, how can that be? Well, I'll tell you this. It's found in Mark chapter 5 and verses 1 through 20. We don't have time to read all of those verses. But Jesus stepped out on the shore of the Gadarenes. And there was a man that came out of the tombs with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, not with chains. They bound him with fetters and chains, and he plucked them asunder. The fetters were broken in pieces. Nobody could tame him. Night and day he's in the mountains, he's in the tombs, he's crying, he's cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, afar off he ran and worshipped him. You know what that tells me? I don't care how powerful the mechanism of bondage is, it cannot stop you from worshipping Jesus. It's right there, ladies and gentlemen, in the scripture. Well, I just can't get, this man was in dire straits, but when Jesus stepped on the shore, he ran to Jesus, kneeled, and he started worshiping him. There is nothing that can keep you from God. If you really want to be freed from where you are, you can worship Jesus. Praise God, the devil doesn't have the power to silence you when Jesus steps on the sure he doesn't have the ability to bind you hallelujah when Jesus steps on the shore if you can get to Jesus and worship him <laughs> he said Jesus thou son of the most high God I adjure thee by God that you torment me not for he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he said, what is thy name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. That could not stop, as musicians come tonight, that could not stop the ability of the man of the Gadareans who was filled with a legion of spirits. It could not stop him. There was still enough humanity within that man, though he was full of all of those spirits, there was still enough humanity in the man to worship Jesus. I don't care how dark your situation is. Here's my answer for you, okay? I know, I know you want it all wrapped up. You want a bow on it. You want, to give, you want me to give you an answer that solves everything, and you even want me to give you the Holy Ghost. I don't give anybody the Holy Ghost. That's God's business. But I do know this. If you start worshiping God and praising God and magnifying God, there is a gift of the Holy Ghost. But there is a personal responsibility that must take place in your life, and this is what it is. You have to worship God. That man that was in the tombs had to make his way to Jesus, kneel, and start worshiping him. Nobody could do it for it. I can't worship God for you. I can't receive the Holy Ghost for you. I can pray for you. I can see God for you. I can give you an example of what worship is. But at some point, you're going to have to step out and say, I'm going to worship God myself. I'm going to magnify God myself. It's not anybody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. Praise God, we need a church of people who are responsible to worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When he steps onto the shore, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm not waiting for the guy on the end of the pew. I'm going to worship myself. I'm going to praise God myself. I'm not waiting on the musicians. I'm not waiting on the singers. I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm going to magnify God myself.
There are many elements necessary to becoming a disciple of Jesus. There are many elements. I understand that. Praise God. But worship is a necessary ingredient to breaking the mechanism of bondage. If you're feeling restricted in mind, body, and spirit, emotions, you need to worship Jesus. For the scripture said, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It was Jesus that said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is. Huh? There is liberty. Liberty comes when you worship the Lord. I'm not talking about praise. I'm talking about worshiping the Lord both in what you say and what you do. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Praise God as we stand together in the house of God tonight. If you're in situations in turmoil and you don't know where to turn or what to do, the altar call tonight is to come to this altar and lift your hands and just worship Him. Not to try to, it's not to try to fix everything, it's not to try to tie everything up nice. It's just to say, God, I'm here to worship you and praise you. Praise God. This is why I've come to the house of God tonight. Amen. It's to magnify your name. Why don't we do that together right now with uplifted hands. Lord, I love you and praise you.